Hi, and welcome to the Temple Podcast. I'm Edward Pike. I'm the founder of the Temple, and we're here to explore and to remember what it truly means to be human. So this podcast is a place for exploring the various temples of humanity, our homes, our relationships, our bodies, our practices, and even our businesses. Each episode is dedicated to one guest, uh, either a change maker, a creative healer, leader, or an entrepreneur. And over the conversation, we explore their work, we explore their journeys, and we explore what helps them continue to be of profound service to their clients, their communities, and to the world. So in this episode, I speak to David Nazario, uh, the writer of the book, Make Love Your Religion. And as you'll see through the episode, it was a really beautiful conversation. Um, I learned so much personally and received so much from um, David's journey, David's experience and David's authenticity as a writer. Um, if there's any creatives out there, any writers, any artists that want to bring more of themselves into their work, this is uh, the podcast for you. You'll see perhaps through this conversation how there's deep magic in in our uniqueness and when we tap into that and when we allow that and when we allow that authenticity and vulnerability to shine through then we really do create magic and that is when we tap into the simplicity of the heart the simplicity of our creativity and our power of creation and um, there's so much beauty in that and so much power in that. And I'm really excited to share this podcast with you. And I really encourage you to buy David's book, which is a beautiful, beautiful book, Make Love Your Religion. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful. Okay, David, nice to connect with you. Very you good. as well. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I can't remember how we connected. It was like when you were just releasing your book, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was before or after, but it um, probably maybe a year and a half ago. Mm. Yeah, it was around that time. And I and you, you sent me your book at the time, and I have to be honest, I didn't read it then. And I reconnected with it two or three weeks ago, and oh, man, I really love it. I I just love the. Thank I was you. kind of blown away, you know, at the how grounded what you speak is. It is, I mean, you know, it is so, it's like such profound wisdom, but in such an accessible way and direct and um, modern, if that makes sense, way, an applicable way that is like, oh, yes. So thank, thank you. brilliant. Yeah, really. Thank congratulations. You very much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Do you want to? 
maybe start by telling us a bit about about the book, about who you are, about what you do, and yeah, maybe yeah, let's for, start off with that. For sure. So my book came out in 2018, April of 2018. Make Love Your Religion is the short title. The longer, a full title is Make Love Your Religion, How to Put Love First and Succeed at Doing What You Love. Mm. And really that, um, that full title, that second part, How to Put Love First and Succeed at Doing What You Love is really what the whole book is about, um, as well as Make Love Your Religion. But I started writing that about seven years ago. Um, might, maybe even a little bit longer than maybe eight years ago, so around yeah. seven or eight years ago. Um, but I've been writing all of my life. I've known that I wanted to be a writer since really early on, about eight years old. And I write about that in the book as well. Uh, so I went to school and I studied writing um, in college and, and started once I graduated college, started uh, writing for local magazines and just really trying to get my name out there. Um, and then I, I decided that I wanted to to write a book about my thoughts on religion mm. and um, the things that I was seeing, the things that I had learned in college and the things that I learned during my own studying and my, my personal experiences and what I felt uh, in my heart and what I felt or didn't feel when I went to traditional church. Mm. And then I also saw some of the division that was um, happening and still happens within my family because of church where it's... Um, church and religion, where it's a certain uh, certain group of people. I have a big family, big Latino family. So um, nine aunts and uncles just on my dad's side alone. So some of them that were um, into church, you know, they kind of hung out with each other and, and, and congregated with one another. And then the ones who were not, were kind of not involved in that. And mind you, I saw growing up, I saw all of them party, you know, <laughs> up until they were 30, 40 years old, and then it was kind of like they were just done with partying. So now it was time to go to church. <laughs> but and no, ju- no judgment on them. That's the, that's their journey. Um, but so so things like that. And really, my book started out as a, a rant, actually, just against religion. Um, and then as I grew as a person, as an, I got older, I realized that I didn't want to write a book that did what I was speaking out against. I didn't want to write a book that was causing division. I wanted um, anyone from any denomination, whether it be Christian Mm. or not, when they see my book, when they see the title, to know that they're invited to read it and to gain something from it. And one of the key things I learned while I was writing and not writing, because I did a lot of procrastinating, a lot of um, just not writing during that time, which is why it took so long. But I also feel like it came out right when it was supposed to. Uh, But during that time, I learned and I realized that, to me anyway, when we're doing what we love to do, that that could be a spiritual practice for us. So that is the central theme that when we are able to use our God, our goddess-given talent, and and use that talent to create an income for ourselves and to spread love, that that could be a new form of religion for us, that maybe we can move away from some of the doctrine that is um, divisive and... um, yeah, divisive and move towards just, okay, let me do what I love. Let me try to spread love. And that could be my new philosophy. That could be yeah. our new philosophy. Oh, so that's what the book is about. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So how was the journey to, to, the, to writing that you said you started with this rant against religion and then it turned into yeah. a, a seven year journey of writing and, and non-writing. I love that. Yeah. Yes. How was it? Yeah. It was uh, it was great. The, the whole process, it was a learning experience. In my first book, um, I read I read it back now and um, 
some parts I love and then other parts is a little cringy, like just because I feel like my writing has elevated since mm. then. Um, but I mean, I love it. And the process of writing, it was, um, it was a learning experience. There were, yeah. you know, when I first submitted it to an editor, he didn't want to, the editor didn't want to edit it. He said that it needed too much work. So I had to go back and, and really refine my writing. And, and it was interesting because I learned during that process that my writing can sometimes be like my, like me. Sometimes I say too much, you know? <laughs> so sometimes my sentences are too long. Mm. So I just need to put a period on them. <laughs> and the one day I, w- I was sitting, it was toward the end. And I just had, I just, um, it just kind of clicked. And I was able to take out everything that didn't need to be there, like whole, mm-hmm. maybe whole pages, whole paragraphs. This is, this is not good. This is whack. Let me get rid of that. And then when it, when I had that realization, like, oh, my writing is a little similar to, um, to my, sometimes I say things that don't need to be said, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? That's one of my things that I've, 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 I continue to work on. So it was interesting when I made that connection. Um, and then I would say like during the last two years, I met a, a mentor of mine. His name is James Spady. He's a um, famous uh, historian and, and author, and he really um, did a lot to chronicle hip hop culture and um, black culture in Philadelphia. And he really impressed upon me that my I needed to tell my story and mm. I needed to represent the city that I was from. And I needed to, if I was going to do things like write about love of community, I needed to let the reader know yeah. where I got my love of community yeah. from. So that really also that combined with me shifting in my own head combined with his tutelage it helped me to yeah. um to shift and and that's where the memoir element came in yeah because really that, that really comes through really comes through like it's so gen- so from you like it's all your stories you. it's all you know your yeah your story about community like it's all there it's all yeah mm. And I, what was the journey like to actually get to get there? To, to so I know from from also it's very maybe similar to the journey you've been on. I have a tendency to over-explain, to repeat, and I find it hard to put myself into the writing. So okay, how how did you how did you get there? How was it? How did you find that? The the ability to insert myself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was just just him telling me that that's what I needed to do <laughs> <laughs> and me seeing a value in it also though. Yeah. Like, you know, when he said, explained it that way, I'm like, okay, I get mm. it. And also I'm from the city that I'm from is an hour away from Philadelphia. Um, Reading, Pennsylvania is not necessarily a big city. It's, it's a kind of a mix between a city and a town. And he, and he also told me like, you know, you can be that writer from Reading. You can, mm. you know, you what other black and Latino writers are emerging from Reading right now. Um, and he, he also told me, he really impressed upon me to be a global writer as well, not just to focus on Reading, but to, at the same time, to focus on me being from Reading and being that emerging writer that can come out of Reading. So um, my, even the city kind of takes on a character yeah. in, indirectly in the book as well. Yeah. And what do you mean by write uh, globally? What do you mean by that? Um, for for talking to you, you're in, yeah. you're in Greece. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, tra- traveling to to London yeah. and and and, yeah. and trying to get my my writing seen by yeah. by different people and and understood by different people and just sharing you know the things that I've been through mm. um, in Pennsylvania with someone who's you know in a totally different country and mm. he, he really spoke about like people different 
I don't know if you're familiar, like with Eartha Kitt, the um, actress, performer, singer. Um, she she was a performance artist and she spoke and singer mainly and she spoke up about a lot of different things in the 70s um, in terms of race and things like that. And she was she was banned and she was kind of exiled by mm. Americans and American government. She wasn't able to work, but because she was a, a global artist, she could easily go to France or go to London. And she was very well known, you know, in these other places. Yeah. And he himself, he he traveled extensively when he was younger. So he really um, put that in my head that I could uh, be a, a global writer. Mm. I really get the the sense that maybe this conversation we can take it down this road. I I, I get this this image or this this sense of writing from the heart, and it is something that I'm guessing has been a journey for you, perhaps. So I'd be really curious mm-hmm. to hear about 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 that. How? Because your book—that's why I really feel it's so powerful. Because for me, it's very direct. It's direct from the heart. You know, it is. There's, you know, there's no like going around a topic. It's in the topic. It's simple. It's it's from your story. It's like, and that's what love really is. You know, it just is. There's none of this over-explaining mm-hmm. and overdoing thing. I so, like that. I like the way you put that. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like this arrow from the heart. Like this is, this is it. This is love, mm-hmm. you know. This is all the. I mean, of course, you go through different topics of what love, what love can be, and love, and how love can can express itself. So, and this is coming both from a, a personal um, curiosity, but also like a curiosity as for the theme of of the temple, which is this, which is you know everything that we're doing is you know the podcast, the blogs. It's how can we express what love is in its purest, simplest essence? You know, like. So it's a big topic, but I'm <laughs> I want to throw that out there to you. Like, how you know what was your journey to be able to write with that connection? Yeah, you're right. It's 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 big and small at the same time. Um, I think it came naturally for me. That was it was just the way. Maybe not at first when I, when it's my book started out more as a rant. It didn't come that way. But when it was time for me to insert my own experiences then they're just mine so I had no choice but to write from the heart Mm. and um and also I would say maybe not wanting to do research (laughs) like not wanting you know like forget all the uh you know the research of why Mm. I think those things are important but I didn't want to approach it from an academic standpoint yeah yeah. You know what I mean? I, I reference other authors and things like things like that, uh, but I've never been. I can even remember when I was younger, um, and, and like in second grade, when I would like, I would know how to put sentences together, and I would, I would. Teacher told me I was a good writer, but sometimes she would ask me, you know, well, why did you put that period there? Why did you put that comma there? And I was never really able to explain those things. I was just like, because it sounds right, you know, because mm. I just kind of instinctively know. Yeah. So. Uh, that it just came from, I think it was a natural thing. And, and I will say that um, to to get feedback from people that it resonated with them, it it makes me more confident to continue doing it. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so what happened at eight years old to make you realize that this was something that you were, you had a gift for and wanted to do? What was it? I just always, I always just enjoyed words. I enjoyed language. I I read poetry like uh, from Maya Angelou. She was like mm. number one in my book. 
and yeah, just it was something. Um, I always say that I'm very blessed that I I had that early on. Like I knew what I was supposed to be doing. I didn't. Yeah. I followed it. I didn't follow it full force, and I didn't decide that I wanted to do it as a full time job until about 28 years old. Um, so yeah, I. I was I got lucky in the sense that I knew mm. that that's what I wanted to do from a very young age. Mm. I didn't always believe that I could do it because mm. you know you in high school and and you know once you get to a certain age it's like okay you want to be a singer you want to be the president you want to be an astronaut you want to be a writer but what else can you do just in case that doesn't work yeah, out? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, What's and then that, that becomes a yeah. part of our subconscious until we yeah. decide to know until we decide that no I don't. I'm actually going to do what it is that I want to do. Mm. Yeah, and I love how you talk in the book, how you make that very grounded. Like, I, I know often there's a, maybe a perception or an image, you know, that following your heart or your dream, your gift is like dropping everything and, you know, just starting whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But, but you make it really, like, accessible. You know, it's like you have to do your best. I love how you say that, you do your best in whatever work you're doing while working on what you love. Mm, thank you. Yeah. And I, yeah, that was, that's a very powerful thing, I think, to tell people. Because it's very easy to, well, to either not do what we love or to think we have to drop everything and do what we love. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times we can't afford to do that. We yeah. still have bills to pay. We, you know, we still have to eat and things like that. Uh, but hopefully you can marry the two. Hopefully there's some way that what you're doing to earn income is is tied to or related to, you know, what it is that your dream job is or what it is that you really would like to do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And how would you, how would you summarize your book for someone who's never read it? How would you, yeah, how would you summarize it? I mean, you already have in some sense, but I'm curious to see if there's more, if you were to describe it to someone who's never even read the back cover yet, what would you say? Right. I would say that um, Make Love Your Religion is a self-help slash memoir about my journey to become a full-time writer and speaker. And it encourages people to do whatever it is that they love to do. And that when we're doing that, that that could be a new form of religion for us. Mm. That's, that's my elevator pitch. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Well rehearsed and to the point. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean to sound like a robot but I've said it quite a few times yeah I know I know the feeling okay, it yeah, hits a nail on the head um, so now that we're speaking I'm really seeing the the kind of link between yeah what we're trying to do at the temple which is how, exactly what you're saying making love your religion that you know it doesn't matter what you're doing it's really the the center from which you're doing it with Mm. Mm. yeah and knowing that that is not it's not always going to be perfect you're, yeah. you're still going to have roadblocks you're still going to mess up your ego is still going to make you say something that you shouldn't have said or or send a text that you shouldn't have sent or respond in a way that you shouldn't have responded or cut someone off in traffic or whatever the case is so it's yeah. um i try to make it very clear that one i'm not an expert at it I'm just as the book is just as much for me as it's for the reader and that um, it's an everyday practice. It's not, Oh, I learned how to love myself and now I'm good to go (laughs) making that decision every instant, you Mm. know, and I try to get it right, but sometimes I don't. Mm. 
that kind of is a nice lead into kind of the next topic, which is this idea of, of the temple, which is, you know, the practices, the habits, but also, you mm. know, the, of course, the body, you know, the, the home, the business, all these things are, are really our temples. So what, what is, what are your temples? You know, how do you, where do you pour this love into your life? How do you, well, you've already just kind of started to answer that question, but how do you, you know, holding is the wrong word, but how do you keep or hold yourself as much as you can, as much as is possible in that, in what you're teaching, which is living from the heart? Right. Uh, for me, I, there's a few things that really do that for me, and, and those would be meditation yeah, and yoga, uh, more recently movement and um, writing. So those are the things that, that do it for me. And sometimes it's, it's, it's music or sometimes it's, it's silence and just reading. Mm. Uh, sometimes it's just resting. You know, I think one of the great things is about having those types of practices is that they, they're not stagnant, you know, um, and they move and they change in the ways depending on, you know, what you're going through at that time, the new things that you've learned, new uh, things that you've unlearned. Um, so to be able to just have a toolbox that you can pick from meditation, yoga, going outside in nature, that's another big one for me. I'm helping other people uh, or it could be doing the things that, that bring me joy, uh, cutting my nails and painting, painting my fingernails, um, giving myself a facial, uh, things like that, you know. So um, I feel blessed to be able to have those things to pull from. And I am it's exciting to see the way that they evolve mm. and what they grow into and what, what, how things shift. And, and those are some of the things that I um, look forward to writing about in part two of the book. Mm. Oh, there's a part two, huh? Yes. Yep. <laughs> are you in the yeah. middle of writing that then? What's that? Are you, are you currently writing it? I am. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I'm I'm still at the beginning stages, so I wouldn't I wouldn't say middle yet, but yeah. okay. <laughs> it's it's a, a slow process right now. Yeah. And I love what you're saying because if, from your experience of the temple, none of that was very like it was a physical thing. It was all like a, an action, a, um, some something that you did to keep yourself in a in a certain state of being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or the things that I can do when I know that I'm not in that state. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of know how to get back. Yeah. <laughs> Claw Which our way back sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Kicking and screaming sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. That's gorgeous. Um. How about you? Do I get to ask questions or no? Yeah, ask, yeah, of course. That's nice to have a conversation for sure. Ask me any questions. How about me? Hmm. I've I've realized that the for me the main thing is is my body, is what you just mentioned, like movement. For me, that's like that's my doorway movement. Even if I'm just breathing, you know, and just kind of give myself a massage, just anything to just kind of feel my body and feel like I would even say like feel pleasure. You know, even if mm. it's, yeah, just to like kind of a bit of movement here, a bit of massage, just kind of give myself a hug. I, I instantly, my energy shifts when I do that. Yes. Exactly like you're saying though, you have, to, you have to catch it first. You have to notice that you need that. So 
Um, yeah. I guess that's the first step is kind of noticing, oh, actually, I'm kind of, you know, I'm on a loop right now. I'm, uh, I'm not in reality. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just living out a very, an old way of being here that is not, and a very inauthentic way of being that is really not, mm-hmm. you know, sincere from my heart. So I'm being, I don't know, I'm being, I'm being a jerk or I'm just like, you know, being kind of in my victimhood and, you know, so just catching that and noticing that. And then, yeah, I guess my temple is, is, is that, I mean, there's many, but that, that, that first breath to give it space and then kind of tuning in, okay, what do I need? You know, what does my body need right now? For me, that's, if I do that, then I can, everything can just change and I can really draw back into myself and, and be back in the here and now and in reality instead of being on in this kind of state of being which is often not reflective of what's actually happening right now mm-hmm. um as i drop back into the heart as a result of that yeah about you know it's not perfect it's something i've i've know of myself and i've gone you know many days and weeks without you know without kind of being aware of it but i know that when i do give that the focus like it's like it's like being on a roller coaster or like a loop and that kind okay. of that, like there's a, and then the breath and the body gives me that doorway of like, kind of Jenny coming back to like this. Oh yeah, no, everything's okay. Everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. Um, and, and writing, I mean, was, uh, yeah, it's really good to have this conversation with someone who's, you know, gone through this whole journey and, and I can see from what you've written is, you know, really does speak from the heart. And I know it's not, you say, a perfect thing. It's not something you, you know, you get it and then you do it all the time. It's something that will continuously evolve. And I'm sure as you're writing, like the second draft, more stuff will come up mm-hmm. and there'll be other ways to procrastinate or to avoid or to do all these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And fair for me, writing and, you know, just, um, just even if it's just kind of automatic writing or any form of writing for me is a way of, just uh, yeah, and similar to you, to kind of just coming back to this, this um, I don't, don't know what to call it. This space of connection, let's say, yeah, space mm-hmm. of clarity. Yeah, and sometimes for me, it's a discovery that if what starts out, you know, by the time I get to the bottom of the page, I've discovered. Um, mm. and it doesn't have to be a major discovery. Sometimes it is, but a discovering a new understanding or a new perspective yeah. or why I reacted in the way that I reacted or, or something like that. So it could be very, and, and with that comes growth and healing. So yeah. it's powerful. And how do you do that then? Do you, do you find that you start writing about what's happening in that moment and then you come to a discovery? Um, yes. Yeah. Or, or through a, a lot of time, a lot of times through poetry. Yeah. Um, and more recently, I've been taking a, during the quarantine, I've been taking a, a chakra writing class where each week we are, we're focusing on a different chakra and it's um, healing trauma through writing, yeah. um, which is a totally different idea of how, oh, which is a totally different idea of the purpose of writing. This is the first time that I'm writing to heal trauma, which is a whole other thing. Uh, so... So it's it's that part of it is still is new to me and it's mm. um I'm I'm learning a lot of it a lot from it excuse me mm. so to to be able to use 
writing to heal trauma and to figure out what the lessons are within that um, has been really helpful. Oh, yeah, that's powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't know there were entire classes dedicated to that. I saw how that happens through, you know, just instinctively and kind of through the experience of it. Um, yeah, that's really amazing. Yeah, two two women that I know here, one is a writing professor and the other is a yoga teacher. So they put it together and um, I joined and I'm so glad that I did because it's been um, very, very healing for sure. Yeah. And is it infusing now your writing process with the second, the second book? Good question. Um, I think so. I think, I think one of the chapters for the second book is going to be love of trust. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like there are going to be ways that I can incorporate some of the writing that I've done um, about losing my mom and, mm-hmm. and, and, and infusing that into that chapter um, in regards to how I have to trust that this happened for good and that this happened, um, you know, for my growth and my family's growth and, and which is it's it's easier said than done when it's um something a lot smaller than losing your mom yeah. um but it's it's especially hard to do um when when you're doing it for that reason yeah powerful stuff <laughs> um and i kind of feel to ask you what what else are you doing so i know you're you're writing and you're an educator is that correct as well Yes, I uh, teach a class called College Success Strategies yeah. at the uh, community college here in Reading. So I do that. Um, I've been doing that for about two and a half years. Um, I've been an educator for about 11 years, and that's really been able, um, I've really been able to sustain myself and um, pursue my writing career as um well, I've been doing things in education on the side, but I also love working with young people. So it's really, um, it's really helped me out a lot. Mm. Um, in addition to that, I do some speaking. So sometimes I'll go to colleges. I have a, a certain uh, Make Love Your Religion um, college program. So I, I do some speaking at colleges. I do different community events, uh, but I really just try to focus on um, things that have to do with um, helping people and writing. Yeah. And I also enjoy fashion and music too. So sometimes it's um, um, things related to fashion or yeah. uh, things having to do with music as well. Yeah, great. So, yeah. And there's a real sense of service I find in everything you're doing. Just from reading, from reading what you're saying in the book and also from connecting with you, there's, there's a real essence of wanting to be of service in all these different, different ways. Has that always been something that you've connected with? Yes. I would say for, you know, for... A, a good while, um, I'd say like after, after, um, after graduating college and then moving back home and, and, and being able to see my city from a different perspective yeah. and having been somewhere else and, 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 and um, coming back and, and realizing that there's a lot of, there was a lot of work to be done. So I, felt, I, I think it was natural for me to be in that position of service. And also, um, that's, that's also how I was raised to help others. Um, but I feel like I'm really, really, it's different when you do it. And, and then when you really understand the magnitude of it. Mm. Um, so I feel like I'm in that place now where I feel 
I'm still processing it as far as um, the responsibility that I have and not taking it on as pressure because it can feel that way that I have. I was just speaking about this last night, just for example, the way that I'm able, the way that I've been um, processing my grief through writing and journaling, through movement, um, through crying hysterically, um, you know, and, I, and the people around me, my brothers and my father, they don't really have those types of practices. Um, so I feel blessed to have those um, opportunities and those uh, ways to handle grief, but I also feel a responsibility to help other people do that. Um, so I think, but I think during this time, like during the quarantine is when I really feel the magnitude of it, that my journey is not necessarily like everyone else's journey. And I have a real work to do, not in a, in a labor intensive way, but like it is, you know, it's work to do. Um, so I think I'm fulfilling the magnitude of that and stepping into that. Mm. And use the word responsibility was in interesting as well. So that's a good question. Now, what, how do you, how do you feel? How do you see the line between, you know, taking too much responsibility for others? How do you do that? That's a good question. I think it is realizing that everyone's journey is their, their journey there that they just as the things that I have to go through, everyone else has to go through. And the, um, the learning that I've had around that most recently is the, see, my mother was um, killed by a uh, tractor trailer. Mm. So um, most recently the uh, man who was driving that tractor trailer, he's uh, been, um, he's going to be going to trial for manslaughter. Yeah. And to me, I didn't feel like, I, I don't see the point. I still don't see the point of that. Um, he made a mistake. He, no one wants to, hit someone, no one wants to kill someone in a car accident. So I don't necessarily see the um, value of him sitting in jail for manslaughter because of that. Yeah. Um, but I had a good friend of mine, Jamie, who told me, and, and it didn't, because I was, I was kind of taking it out on my father. Well, like, are you the one pressing charges? Like, why, why do we need to do this? Why are we trying to get money out of this situation? Um, and she, she reminded me that that's his journey that he has to go through this, whether it means he's sitting in jail or, or whatever the outcome is, this is the um, actions in his life that led up to this moment mm. that caused an accident. And now I have to believe, like I, like I say I do, that everything is happening for the highest good, even the situation that's happening to him. So I, did I, I hope I didn't get off track there, but that's... No, and that's a very powerful example. I think that's a very profound example, actually. Yeah, I mean, very, very profound. It's so close to you and it's so, you know, close to your heart. And Yeah. Um, so I think we started with that. Um, how am I going to use these writings? So, yeah, <laughs> I'm writing about this experience of um, finding out that he's being convicted of manslaughter. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the, the experiences that I'm going through as far as my, my mother's passing, um, I may include them into the Love of Trust chapter for part two. Mm. Yeah. So that I have to trust that everything... It's happening how it's supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, are you able to, and do you want to give us a taste of what the love ofs are from the second book? Or is it too soon? <laughs> it's, it's only, it's only too good question. It's only too soon because I don't have them all okay. yet. Um, but 
I'm think I'm actually I'm pretty certain that I'm going to do another level of sell. Yeah. I feel like there's so much to talk about and I feel like that's a great way to start the book that I can do that chapter again. Yeah. So I think there's going to be another love of self. I think there's going to be love of trust. Mm. Um, I might include love of knowledge again because there's uh, so much that can, excuse me, go into that. But beyond those three, I'm not really sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in a way you could just, you know, you could say so much, you could repeat everything you did be, or all the lovers because it's it's just, it's really your journey, isn't it? It's really you learning to to love, to bring more love into your life, to expand love in all these areas. Mm-hmm. And and through that, you're just, you're taking us, you're taking us into that. Taking yeah. the reader. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just get receiving right now this, um, I guess, kind of newfound clarity, what writing actually is, the power of writing, the power of storytelling. Yes. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You just take us and this applies to everyone, but I'm, you know, using you specifically with what, what you're doing, you know, the power of you is that, that kind of duality of teach, learn. Mm. It's like one thing, isn't it? They say, whatever, whatever you need to learn, whatever you're, you're teaching is what you need to learn. Mm. And whatever you're learning, you know, teach it. <laughs> yeah, that's real. <laughs> yeah. It's like that, that meeting point of, uh, yeah. of life and, uh, yeah, it's really, really powerful. It's, and it's similar to um, the flaws that you see in other people are flaws that you have in yourself. Yeah. And that's, oh, fun, yeah. When you get, that's fun when you get to a point of that. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. And, and um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hard one to swallow. I know in my, in, in my intimate relationship, that's the hardest one because <laughs> the finger wants to go. You That's see, what I was thinking about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking about for me. <laughs> I'm grateful for it. I learned so much from um, the relationship that I'm in right now. For mm. sure. Yeah. I find my, the finger wants to point outwards and it's like, until you're perfect, I'm not going to love you fully or open my heart to you. It's, it's this beautiful excuse to not open the heart. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or to be protective of it or to manipulate and things yeah. like that. So, yeah. yeah. And that's another g- a great uh, reason why meditation is a tool. So I know for me, I realized something that I did like three weeks ago um, to my partner. And it was just like, oh, that's not a nice thing to do. Mm. <laughs> and I came to that realization in uh, meditation and, you know, and cried and then apologized to him. About yeah. It, so. yeah, beautiful. Hmm. I just want to get some notes I took on, on my Kindle from your book. There's a couple of things that really resonated. Um, cool. Some sentences, let me find them. Um, okay, come on, Kindle, that's it. Yes, you're the gift. So we've, we've kind of just touched on that, but I love this sentence. And once you recognize that thing that you can't go a day without thinking about, you've discovered your gift. And that, yeah, that, sure. that is very powerful. Um, and I, I want to share my experience here because, I mean, this was really, again, you know, very, I got so much out of that sentence because, and this is sort of weaved into this, there will be a question, maybe. <laughs> that it was something so obvious like 
that I was thinking about every day. But for me, it's specifically um, creating things, like creating structure, like you know, putting form, bringing things into form and into being, and like always onto the kind of you know how I can tweak this a bit more, how I can bring form to this area, you know, and specifically it could be, it could be anything it was a book, photography, you know, uh, entrepreneurship, always, or how I can help a client with them bringing form to something. And it was something that I was just, you know, thinking about <laughs> all the time, but never had kind of, well, not, not never, but hadn't really kind of gone, hang on, you know, this is a gift. This is something that I'm, I, I love and I'm good at doing. So, like, mm-hmm. reading that sentence was personally very profound to stop and, and think of that and give me, I mean, again, it came out, you know, a time that was just perfect because it was already kind of working, you know, in me. It was already kind of being received through meditation and through dreams. This mm-hmm. is a very, very profound sentence, yeah. Thank you. That's, thanks for sharing that. That's, um, yeah. That's, it still blows my mind to... Uh, hear people <laughs> tell, tell me about things that resonate you know yeah. about that. so thank you yeah yeah words have that but books have that power and words have that power that one person will just read the one thing that's just perfect for them mm. so this this um ability to like travel through time and space <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah when we're writing we don't necessarily know what's going to what's going to stick, you know, sometimes, you know, you're like, well, oh, that's a, that's a good line. They're gonna like this one, you know? But that's not, that's not always the case, you know, yeah. and you have to kind of have this, this faith yeah. that it is going to resonate and that what you have to say is valuable. Mm. So have you ever not believed that? Have you ever felt like what you were saying was not valuable and was not worthy? And how, and if so, how have you, how did you deal with those times? Hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know that I ever felt that it was not valuable, but sometimes questioning how valuable Mm. or, um, or being able to, I guess, realize on my own and, and put myself out there, you know, and, and I guess realize how how valuable it could be we'll say like my vulnerability for example how valuable it could be for me to show my vulnerability as a man as a a black man as a a man who loves hip-hop as a man who loves other men you know what i mean so for me to be able to um at times when i question how valuable or if it's valuable or if i should do this or say that um, I, that's the things that I go back to. And I think it, it relates to what I was saying about the responsibility. You know what I mean? Like I'm really now stepping into the, um, and seeing the magnitude of, and, and not from an arrogant way, but seeing the magnitude of what I can say and what I'm here to bring and what I'm here to do and how it can affect people. Uh, so I guess to answer your question, not that to rem- I need to be able to remind myself how valuable mm. and that those are the things that I go back to thinking about my, the space that I take up, thinking about where I live, the city that, the things that I like, the, the family that I'm around, the, um, 
the males that are in my life that aren't that I see that I can feel have softened, you know, because of they know that that um, I'm not afraid to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. but I'm also just like them. And I grew up with them and I have, you know, some of the same interests that they have. But I also have these other interests and I have these other um ways that my heart is open that maybe theirs is not yet uh but they're able to kind of um see that and and think about expanding if if they want to in a way it's like your the the responsibility is you know to kind of go deeper into your uniqueness yeah right yeah yes yeah which sounds you know people say that and it sounds cliche um but it's not easy to do and it's and it's and it it takes work and it takes courage and it takes a lot for people for us to really be able to do that and to to be free in that yeah Yeah. what's your journey like to being being free with that to being able to be yourself that it's I, I'm glad you said journey because that's what it's been. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is not a flipper switch thing, is it? Is that suddenly, no. uh, <laughs> I think. And actually, the the class that I was talking to you about, the chakra writing class, that takes place every Sunday. So that happened yesterday. And one of the activities that we wrote about was we we were focusing on the third eye chakra. So we were talking about the inner wisdom that we had as a child, mm. and it made me think about the fact that as a child. Uh, growing up in, um, well, I don't know what you call them there, but we call them projects, like a, a, an area where it's not, you know, it's not a high income area, it's a low income area. Yeah. So for me, you know, being interested in ballet and, and writing poetry and um, hanging out with mom in the kitchen, and you know what I mean? Those weren't the, um, those weren't the things that other boys were doing. And even Aside from gender, those weren't the things that other people around me were necessarily doing, but somehow I had that inner wisdom to to value them and to keep doing them. And I re- I didn't really realize it or look at it that way until yesterday's writing where I, I wrote about mm. that. And then I think, and it was cool to see how that's come full circle because now it's it's the same thing. I'm still doing things. I'm still grieving in a way that the people around me are not grieving. So, it's, you know what I mean? So I that's where it comes in again with the responsibility. Okay. I'm able to do it this way. I'm able to learn these things. I'm able to have these conversations. I'm able to take chakra writing classes. So now what am I going to do with that? Because I know that it's not a coincidence that I'm in this position that I'm in. You know what I mean? Mm. So, but what was, oh, so you asked what the the journey has been. (laughs) So, yeah. And I think, um, you know, and I and I think I'm also able to be more free because my mom's passing, which is mind blow. You know that's, that blows my mind. Yeah. That uh, um, the day she died, I came out to two of my aunts like an hour like an hour afterwards, mm. just because my first thought was, um, am, am I allowed to curse on here or no? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> my first thought was like, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to be free. Yeah. Like I'm going to live, I'm going to live for her. Like that was mm. the very first yeah. thing that came through, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. The journey is the right word. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy with it. And I'm, um, I'm happy to be able to, to share with people that 
there's no way, one way that it's supposed to happen. Um, sometimes the idea of when people say speak your truth, you know, and they and they kind of put a pressure on you or a um, an assumption that you are supposed to just say or be or do everything because of this speaking your truth. When really it's like, no, this is my truth right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my truth is going to evolve yeah. and change, but this is my truth right now. This is what I'm choosing to share. Yeah. And that doesn't make it any less of my truth. Yeah. Actually, it makes it more of my truth. Yeah. I've been learning that recently, really feeling and, and experiencing that that the idea of even following your heart. There's at least personally, and I also see it around me a lot. The idea of well, I'll follow my heart and I'll get somewhere. You know, I'll be able to get to this destination. I'll be able to f- feel better or to get somewhere. And it's kind of a out there somewhere in the future, following your heart. When really, like recently, I've been experiencing this. What you're saying, following the heart is like in the moment, following the depth of the heart, the sincerity of the heart. Like what's here right now? What mm-hmm. do I want to say right now? How do what, what is important to me right now? How do I want to share what's in my heart, in the depth of my heart and what is so true to me right now without this mm-hmm. idea of, oh, for me, it was like, oh, I'll follow my heart. I'll do what I love. You know, I'll follow my dreams. But it was always kind of an out there future-based experience. Mm. exactly what you're saying it's like this yeah exactly moment to moment like what's here what's now this that yeah yeah and i i think that's one of the great things about the quarantine is because now with all this free time what exactly do i want to do what is my body telling me to do right now and it's been great to have these tools and to know how to listen to my body kind of leading up to this quarantine because now you know, I, I want to stay in bed. I want to watch Netflix. I want to laugh. I want to dance. I want to cry. I want to, you know what I mean? And that's another thing that um, my mom's passing taught me is like, I know when I want to cry, I know how much of a release it is. I know how cleansing it is. It's made me more compassionate. Um, but back to what I was saying, as far as the quarantine, you're really getting to decide, you know, what you want to do. What yeah. is your heart telling you that you want to do? What is your heart telling you that you need to do at this moment? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. This is yeah, that has been definitely been a, a gift of the quarantine. I see that in, in others as well. Mm-hmm. And so, we don't always get that option. We're yeah. kinda always running around and we're working and yeah. we're attending meetings and we're um, so this time is giving us a time to really evaluate do I wanna go back to that or do how do I wanna shift this and meld these two, you know quote unquote normal with this new normal and how, Mm. how does it best fit what's authentically Mm. in my heart? Mm. And yeah, it it takes away all these options that of course, you know, they're beautiful and they're part of our freedom, but in a way it kind of takes away all these options so that you're left with having to, well, maybe not everyone, but you know, for those who are willing to listen to, to connect with what is important, right? Yes. And yeah. And to decide for yourself and not, you know, not be told what's important. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how has the lockdown been for you? How has this quarantine been for you? It's been uh, healing and um, it's a number of things. It's been healing. It's been, um, it's starting to get a little boring now. (laughs) Um, 
Uh, but it's, yeah, it's been good to me for the most mm. part. Mm. Overall, it's been good. It's been, I'm, I'm grateful that I have this time to move to a different uh, place in my grief because of the quarantine. I yeah. don't know that I would be um, where I'm at without the quarantine. Mm. Yeah. And, and is, is your grief um, because of the one year anniversary or is it, is it the continuation of uh, the grief you experienced a year ago? Oh, it's just a continuation. It yeah. just goes on and on. And then the um, birthdays and Mother's Day and yeah. things are just yeah. an extra blow. Yeah. You know, I, um, as much as I talk about the grief, the um, the growth, excuse me, and the healing and things like that, um, it also just sucks. It's the worst pain ever. Yeah. It's just not it's just bad it's just it's not good <laughs> it's just shit. yeah yeah, yeah. It's not, yes it's ugly it's it's it hurts like physically mm. um yeah so it's not it's no joke yeah well you were you were close to your mom yeah yep yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i was i'm the baby so i always got a little extra love I'm the <laughs> <youngest>. <laughs> I, I think the, i think the youngest always gets a little more love yeah i think they know? do <laughs> Are you not the youngest? <laughs> I'm the eldest of four. And we're, well, I've got a twin brother and I have two younger brothers who are twins as well. So I, I, I can tell by the way you said, yeah, I think they do. <laughs> <laughs> especially when, well, maybe not especially, but when you're, well, when you're twins, it's hard. When it's two sets of twins, it's like full on for mum. And then I, th- I get the feeling that by the time the fourth one comes along, well, even if they're twins, you kind of master. There's a bit more mastery, so there's a little more, more yeah. space. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. Awesome. That was yeah, such an amazing conversation to have with you, David. Um, Thank you. I, I enjoyed it too. Yeah. For sure. We have. We you know we have a bit more time. I want to ask you before before you share about you know how people can connect with you and. Mm-hmm. And anything practical you want to share? Is there anything that you want to just speak to or, or add? Um, just that it is possible to do what you love to do for a living. Um, that your the things that come natural to you are not by coincidence. Mm. That um, really value your habits and and your your likes and your dislikes. And, and, and they don't have to be related to, you know, being an Instagram influencer. They don't have to be related to being any type of form of popular or celebrity or anything like that. It's really about what you want to create for yourself. You know, a, a, um, a teacher, I think I used this example in the book, a teacher who, you know, makes a salary that they are comfortable with, can give back when they want to, can eat out when they want to travel you know, that is their form of success. Um, success is not, success is individual. So I think I would want, that's a, that's what I want to share, that you can do whatever it is that you love to do, that those those things that you have in your heart, those things that you've been good at since you were a child, um, whether it's teaching someone how to solve a math problem or bake a cake or decorate a room or put a nice outfit together, those are all things that you have been blessed with for a reason. So that's really what, um, my main mm. message is to, to value that and to and if you um align with 
a certain um, way of thinking that that says that you need to be saved, I would challenge you to um, tap into those talents and abilities that you have because they can save you. Yeah. You can save save yourself. You can look at that. You know, the example of Jesus saving you. That is just an example for you to save yourself. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. And in a way, from everything you're saying, it's really it is that idea of to take responsibility for your gifts. It's like there's a yes. Yeah. It's up to you to, to really take them and do something with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Maybe that's the title of the podcast today. I don't know. <laughs> take responsibility mm-hmm. for your uniqueness or something. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Mm. So how do people get in contact with you? What's the best way? Do you want to give us your Instagram and your website or and, and, and your book? How can people find your book? Sure. Right now, my book is on um, Amazon, which I'm looking at ways to put it other places. Um, maybe take it off Amazon. I'm not yeah. particularly happy with um, with them, but that's where it's at now. Um, I'm in the process of creating, I've, as, as most entrepreneurs might tell you, I've had three, four, five different websites. <laughs> and, um, and a lot of times I'm more artist than businessman, which I'm totally okay with, especially during quarantine. Yeah. Um, so I say all that to say that I have a website, davidnazario.com that is not finished. Um, it'll be finished soon, but the best way to get in contact with me is just through Instagram. My, um, my Instagram handle is just my name, davidnazario.com. Or you can uh, message me on Facebook, just my name. I have a YouTube channel if you search up my name. If you search up Make Love Your Religion, I should pop up somewhere. Um, And just reach out. I'm very accessible, whether it's through um, an Instagram message, through an email, which is my email is just nazariod at yahoo.com. There's also a Facebook page for the book, and that's just Make Love Your Religion on Facebook. So Great. I'm pretty easy to Great. I'll make sure all the links are somewhere on the podcast people can access it easily okay. as well yeah all of those you mentioned thank you list. yeah thank you david i feel very um you know of course these podcasts are for people but as usual it's what we touched on whatever you know whatever you're learning whatever you're doing of service for others you're really doing so much for yourself as well and i got so much out of our conversation today I'm very grateful likewise you have a very um calming energy and and yeah it's very nice to talk to you i appreciate what you're doing and everyone over at the temple i appreciate what all of you are doing and i'm here if you if you need me my help with anything yes for sure all of of that we wonderful yeah thank you david thank you so much also love to you no problem (laughs) 